powerful. The vehicle carrying Bermuda had finished its journey across the Sumanatini Desert. It was escorted into the base where Bermuda began her journey. The doors were opened and Bermuda was clamped into an escort pod and deposited into a holding cell. Well this sucks. Bermuda thought to herself looking around the room. The room was a dark grey and had no items to entertain herself with. The door to the room was large and heavy, it would take hundreds of soldiers punching at the same time to even leave a dent in its outer shell. There was a small notch in the door for air to go through. But this could be shut if the soldier who had duty decided they did not want to hear the captive speak. Bermuda sat in silence. She tapped her feet on the floor trying to pass the time until her first hearing. Now how am I supposed to get out of this mess? If I had the powers of Iota this would be easy. Ryuta then laid down. That was all she could do. Some time passed and the room clamped Ryuta down. A major walked into the room. Confirm these details for me. Major Udi directed the conversation to Ryuta. Ryuta nodded. Your name is Ryuta, a principal, and a lieutenant of the Suminiadini Federation Military QRF Battalion. Ryuta shook her head. I was a lieutenant of the Suminiadini military, but I was released from duty a couple of weeks back. Ryuta clarified. Major Udi checked their data. You are currently on inactive service until your original term ends. You were only released from active service. Major Udi informed Bermuda. But I am a sole survivor, so I should have been exempt from that. Bermuda responded. You should have checked your paperwork. You are currently in inactive service, therefore you are still under the laws governing the Suminiadini Federation military, and thus do not get to exercise your right as a private citizen. Major Udi told Bermuda. That hardly seems just. If I qualify for that exemption, then it should have automatically been placed. Asked Captain Lank, they were the one to release me. Ryuta pleaded to Major Udi. It still falls on you to check the paperwork. Major Udi said to Ryuta. Under Suminiadini Federation Military Code J10902, you are to have your first hearing in the audience of your peers, your appointed CO and the Judiciary Committee within a singular day from entry into holding. At which point you are to state your name, and what you are accused of. Any falsehoods presented will render the trial invalid and the accused will be automatically found guilty of the charges. Following the presentation of evidence from the accusing party, you will be allowed to present any evidence on your person. The evidence will be evaluated by those present. Each peer would be given one vote, your appointed CO will be given five and the Judiciary Committee members each will be given four votes. The total votes will be 45. If all votes are in agreement, the accused, which is you, would immediately be given the sentence, else if the votes are in favor of a guilty charge then in three days a second hearing will be issued, else if votes are in favor of an innocence charge then the next following day a second hearing will be issued. Major Udi explained. Do you understand? Ryuta, already annoyed that she had to sit through the explanation, answered quickly. Yes, I understand. Tomorrow at 0500, you will have your first hearing. Major Udi said to Ryuta before leaving the room. This is not fair at all. I am obviously guilty if they consider me to still be inactive. And I am 100% sure that Major Tulit included a recording of the event. What could I even say to get out of this? Ryuta tried to think. She grew exhausted with trying to find a solution. I need to be rescued, that is the only way out of this. Ryuta thought. In the tunnel Yomi had just woken up. She still found herself in the same position she went to sleep in. Yomi was still pinned to the ground by the suit, and still surrounded by nothing but darkness. Well, now that I've restored some of my mental energy, let's try searching again. Yomi thought to herself. Yomi crawled on the ground and continued to look for a shard. She still was having no luck with locating anything. Yomi then felt the ground above her begin to shake. 
dirt from the ceiling started to fall. Ah! Is someone up there? I'm still down here. Please don't collapse the tunnel on me, Yomi yelled up. But she could tell that her voice did not carry through. The dirt continued to fall and Yomi grew worried that she would be buried. Yomi then sped up her search, she started using energy that she was conserving just in case she would have been trapped underground for days, in quick bursts. Come on, come on. Search faster, Yomi said to herself. The dirt on the ceiling began to fall faster. Above the ground. Okay, move those vehicles over there. Lady Yaon said that her friend is down there in some sort of bunker. We need to quickly get it out before she runs out of air. An engineering supervisor said to their crew. The vehicles then began to scoop the debris from the collapsed building away from the pile. The noise in the area was so loud that the crew were barely able to hear one another. Any tunnels showing up on the scanners? The supervisor asked one of the tech leads. There does seem to be a clear transition of material in this portion of the ground, which is indicative of material from above falling into a hole. But it is difficult to say it is a tunnel because the building itself was made of holes, also known as rooms. So this could just be another room. The tech lead responded. Try to speak in as few words as possible. Can you do that for me, old chap? The supervisor said placing their arm around the tech lead. The tech lead then cleared their throat. Well, I am 30% sure it is a tunnel. Good enough for me. The supervisor said before gesturing to the other crew members. Focus on excavating that portion of the debris. The supervisor yelled. The crew then began to focus. Yomi continued to crawl below as more and more dirt fell on top of her. This is starting to get scary. Yomi thought to herself. A large portion of dirt then fell on her back, she quickly shook it off before it could accumulate to the point of trapping her. Hey! Can you hear me? Please be careful. I'm not in a secured room, Yomi yelled up. The dirt continued to fall regardless. Despite Yomi being deep within a tunnel she was able to hear the sounds of the vehicles above which gave her hope that she would be freed from her torment. That is, if she was not buried alive. There seems to be a soft spot here. A crew member called out. The supervisor then walked over. They tapped their foot on the location. Yep, feels like a hole to me. The supervisor said to the crew member. Move the heavy vehicles out of this area. And start bringing in the light equipment. The supervisor said to the crew. The vehicles then started to move out of the area. Then one of the vehicles started to dip. It was sinking below. More and more dirt began to fall on Yomi, until suddenly a large mass of it fell through. The dirt covered the room and Yomi was barely able to breathe through the dust. A bit of light was finally able to be seen and Yomi saw the corner of a vehicle dipping through. Oh no. That is not good. Yomi thought to herself. Be careful, do not make any sudden movements. The supervisor yelled out. The crewmate inside of the vehicle then tried to adjust so that they would not trigger a cascade of dirt. With the light having filled the tunnel, Yomi was able to see a bit better. She found what looked to be a shard. She quickly began to crawl towards it. The sound of the vehicle above began to grow louder. It had started slipping. The dirt beneath it began to unsettle and fall into the tunnel. Come on. Grab it, Yomi said as she was now about a meter from the shard. The vehicle then fell and the tunnel collapsed. The crewmate jumped out of the vehicle and the tunnel had completely collapsed. A giant cloud of dust came from the hole and into the surrounding community. Well, that isn't good. The supervisor said looking at the now filled tunnel. I don't even see a bunker. The crew then all looked at the newly created ditch. What are you all looking at, continue removing this debris. Until you find a body, assume she is still trapped. 
the supervisor said to the crew and they all began to work again. Yomi was trapped in the dirt. Her legs had been crushed by the dirt above, and her chest was being pressed down. Each time she took a breath the dirt just squeezed harder and harder. Yomi's hand was still out reaching for where the shard was. My arm. It's broken. Yomi thought as she felt that her joints were pointing in the wrong direction. Yomi was barely able to move her fingers. Come on, it has to be somewhere here. Yomi thought to herself, trying to not breathe. Her finger then barely touched something that was dirt. Yomi began to dig a small hole with her finger to get it to fall in her hand. Now it's the hard part. Getting it to my chest. Yomi then tried to pull her arm in, but there was no room to make it easy. Every centimeter she moved her arm was another centimeter the dirt came closer. The dirt now was to the point where Yomi could not get any air. She began to asphyxiate. Her thinking began to slow down dramatically. She had successfully gotten the shard into her chest, but now she couldn't do much else. It was a decent life. Yomi thought to herself. She then began to think of Bryuta, and of her past co-workers, and of Yaon, and all the things that she hadn't been able to do yet. This must be the afterlife. Yomi thought. You are so close. Keep going. One of the voices yelled at Yomi. What? Yomi responded. Keep going. Call on my name and keep going. The voice yelled even louder. Yomi then opened her eyes. She was still in the same situation she passed out from. She still felt the pressure of the dirt above. She knew that she only had an instant remaining before she completely died. Vanilla Resa. With your power, free me from this trap. Yomi forced out of her mouth. The suit then began to expand and move the dirt away from Yomi's chest. She was able to breathe again. But she still had to deal with the problem of the lack of air. But at that moment the crew above uncovered her face. They all began to cheer. Yay! We did it! We saved her friend! The crew yelled out. Yomi was now able to breathe fresh air in what felt like nearly a day. The supervisor reached out their hand. That is a weird outfit you are wearing. Glad we got to you before you were crushed to death. The supervisor said to Yomi. Yeah, thankfully that didn't happen. Yomi then got up. She decided to keep the extra strength and ability that the suit gave her hidden. You should call Lady Yon and tell her you are okay. The supervisor said to Yomi. Right, I should do that. Yomi responded. She then walked to the side. The crew were still cheering in the background. Yomi. That's you, right? Yaon answered. It sure is. Yomi responded. She still felt the residual feeling of the pressure on her chest, but overall she was okay. I'm sorry it took so long. I hope you aren't injured, Yaon said to Yomi. Yomi looked at her arms and legs. That's odd. I could have sworn they were broken. Yomi thought to herself. Somehow I am uninjured. Yomi responded. You should immediately come back here, so we can make sure you are fully okay, Yaon said to Yomi feeling worried that she may have breathed in too much dust. I'm feeling fine, honestly. I think I should continue trying to search for Bryuta, Yomi said to Yaon. Ah. Yaon responded. Don't be like that. That's why I came out here in the first place, Yomi said to Yaon. Yaon was silent. Okay, I will come back. Yomi folded and decided to not disappoint Yaon. Yomi then was given a ride back to the capital building of the lady. The crew began to remove their vehicles from the area. The tech lead checked the location that Yomi was buried in. They were interested in how she could have survived. If we give her the absolute minimal amount of time she would have been buried, it would still have resulted in death by asphyxiation, and at the very least several broken joints, but she came out unscathed. 
The amount of dirt on her chest weighed 600 kilograms. How did she survive? The tech thought. The tech lead looked in the distance and watched Yomi drive away in the vehicle. Yomi arrived at the Capitol building of the lady. And Yaon greeted her. Whoa! That is weird, Yaon said looking at Yomi. So I've been told. Yomi responded. Yomi then whispered to Yaon. Is there a place we could be alone, I have to show you something. Ah! Sure. In my sleeping chambers, I'm allowed to be alone there. Yaon told Yomi. The two then headed to that room. The guards followed behind them. This will be quick, just stand out here. Yaon smiled. And the guards waited outside the door. Yaon shut the door and Yomi stood in the center of the room. So what was it you wanted to show me? Yaon asked. Seeing this outfit didn't trigger any memories of Vanilla Asa for you? Yomi asked. No, I think, even if I lost all my memories, that I would remember if I saw something like that before. Yaon responded. Yomi then walked up to Yaon. Yomi then placed her hands on the side of Yaon. Wait, what are you doing? Yaon immediately said to Yomi as Yomi then picked her up as if she weighed nothing. How? When did you become so strong? Yaon said as Yomi placed her back on the ground. That's the thing, it's this outfit. It's like, given me the powers of the demigods. It even healed my wounds. Yomi told Yaon. So you did get injured? Yaon asked. That's neither here nor there. Yomi responded. What is here is that now I have practically unlimited power, Yomi said to Yaon. Is it really unlimited? Yaon asked. Well, not really. If I don't have a crystal. I mean shard, like this, then the suit is more of a hindrance. Yomi told Yaon. Could I get one too? Yaon asked. Ah, I don't think so. I got it from a group that I belong to that got it from some Ren Neo and Vesitanis. Yomi told Yaon. It's not Panakan, right? Yaon jokes. No, it's the followers of Kellen, but really, I'm not really part of their group. I just wanted to learn about the demigods. Yomi told Yaon. Can we test something? Yaon asked. Sure, what do you want to test? Yomi responded. She had a confused look on her face. I want you to shatter my arm. Yaon asked. Whoa. No, I can't do that. Yomi responded by backing up. I need to see if I will really heal from anything. And since you have the power of the demigods, you could heal me just in case. Right? Yaon asked. I don't know how to heal, I think I am just strong, Yomi said feeling a bit apprehensive. I can't injure the Lady of Marion South. What if Vanilla Resa comes and punishes me for hurting you? Vanilla Resa didn't come when I was pierced through my chest yesterday. I am pretty sure she just gave me the ability to heal just in case I was injured, Yaon said to Yomi. Maybe the group that harmed us was part of another group that was equal in strength to Vanilla Resa, so she couldn't attack. Yomi tried to come up with an excuse. You don't actually believe that? Yaon asked. Of course not, but I really don't want to hurt you. Yomi responded quickly. Yaon had a sad look on her face. Yomi tried to turn away. I can't believe that you would use a face like that for something so violent, Yomi said, turning around towards Yaon. Okay, I'm going to just punch your arm. Try to endure the pain, just in case. Yomi warned Yaon. Yaon closed her eyes. Yomi punched Yaon's arm, and sent her across the room like a ragdoll. Yomi's face was in shock. She did not expect her punch to do so much damage. Yaon now laid on the other side of the room completely battered. Yaon tried to clench the pain she was feeling. Oh my! It looks bad, Yomi said, looking at Yaon's body. 
So, nothing is happening? Yaon said, trying to open her eyes through the pain. Yomi started looking around the room. Do you have some medical equipment? Yomi asked, pacing around the room. Yaon then closed her eyes and fell to sleep. Yomi continued to try and look around. Yomi then turned to look at Yaon. Yaon's wound began to heal again. Her skin repaired itself and her joints moved back into place. It was like Yomi was watching something magical happen before her eyes. This is unbelievable. I feel like I should kneel or something. Yomi thought to herself. Yaon's body had completely repaired, and she lay sleeping against the wall. Yomi looked around. Ah, Lady Vanilla Rasa. If you are in this room, I am so sorry that I hit Lady Yaon. Please, don't hurt me. She asked me to, honestly. Yomi talked to the room. Nothing happened to Yomi. I am a big fan of what you do, and thank you for helping me in that tunnel. You saved my life. Yomi thanked the air. Yomi looked around. I guess I should place Yaon in her bed, then go out and look for Bryuta. Yomi picked up Yaon and tucked her in bed. She grabbed an outfit from Yaon's personal collection and put it on over her suit. Yomi then left the room. Thank you all for your hospitality, Yomi said before leaving out. Do you want an escort? Faye asked Yomi. No, I am okay. I think I am overstaying my welcome since Bryuta isn't here. Yomi explained. Well, good luck out there, Faye said. Yomi walked far enough away from the premises to no longer require anyone to watch her. Now that I am out of sight I suppose I can start actually moving. Yomi thought to herself. She climbed the side of a building and made her way close to where Bryuta lived as a point of anchor. Yomi then felt the vibration of people hiding around Bryuta's home. They were more heavily armored than the typical patrol officer, and there were about five of them waiting. Yomi quickly ducked out of sight. She peered over to see what they were up to. The people surrounding the building were not moving. But they also weren't on high alert, as if they had grown tired of staying on guard, but their positioning suggested that they were ready to ambush if they had what they were looking for within striking distance. I suppose I should wait until they rotate out. These guys obviously have been sitting around long enough to look bored. If I follow them it might lead me directly to Bryuta. Yomi thought to herself. Yomi recorded them as she waited. Those around the building did not look as professional as the guards in the capital building of the lady. They may have had discipline but only for so long. Yomi began to grow bored of recording them, they weren't doing anything interesting. They weren't even setting up traps. After some more time one of the individuals spoke on their communication. They all nodded to each other and one of them left. Yomi watched them leave and slowly made her way to follow them. She watched them move carefully around the alleys below. They must be doing something bad if they have to sneak like this. Yomi thought to herself. She then realized what she was doing. Well, I guess just because they are sneaking, doesn't mean they are the bad guys, Yomi laughed to herself. The person below met up with another person. They saluted each other and the new person went in the direction of Bryuta's home. That must have been a duty switch. Yomi observed. The original person continued to sneak and Yomi continued to follow. They were making their way to the Marion South military facility of a Soan called Camp Paradise. Interesting. So the guys surrounding Bryuta's home are military officers? Yomi assumed trying to make sense of what she was seeing. The person was cleared to enter the base, and now was getting away from where Yomi could observe them. How am I supposed to get in there? Yomi thought to herself. She looked around. The camp was surrounded by a large stone wall with metal interiors. The wall went up 30 meters, and was surrounded by barbed wires. There were cameras all along the perimeter of the base. Yomi in the distance tested out to see how high she could jump. She was easily able to make it up to 20 meters. 
I need to at least jump 50 meters to clear the wall. Yomi measured out an entry point that gave herself some space from the barbed wires. Yomi tested if she could clear it. After a few mock jumps she found that she could not, the highest she could jump was about 32 meters. Shoot. I need another way. Yomi thought harder about the situation. She tapped her foot trying to think of a solution. She then noticed that her feet penetrated the ground with no difficulty. Yomi kicked up more dirt. She gave herself a small smirk and began to dig. As she was creating a tunnel for herself, she couldn't help but laugh when she noticed that she was starting to get comfortable with being underground. She packed the dirt she removed into the sides to move it out of the way. The dirt as she got closer to the base seemed to be littered with stones and other inconveniences, but with the power from the suit, they were also of no issue. She then hit an extremely hard section of the ground. Yomi stopped. This must be the wall. Yomi figured. Yomi dug deeper to get beneath it, but saw that once she got underneath, the wall became a floor. It was as if the entire base was sat in a giant stone bowl. Yomi felt that she had no choice but to break through the stone. She cracked into the floor, and was met with the metal within. She tried to hit her way through but the metal was entirely too tough to break through the same way. Yomi tried hitting harder to break through. Within Camp Paradise, security officers received an alert that the metal interior of the camp's borders were being disturbed to a degree higher than baseline environmental signals. They then gestured for people to investigate. Yomi continued to hit the metal, slowly creating dents within it. The area above was surrounded by troops. And some troops were sent outside the base to investigate for entry points of the intruders. The portion of the floor was then lifted up. Yomi quickly dug into the side of the tunnel she made, and covered herself in dirt. The troops shone a light inside of the tunnel. Gunny! There seems to be a tunnel underneath the base. A lance corporal said to a superior NCO. The gunny looked inside of the hole. What on earth could have done that? The gunny said observing a nearly half a kilometer long tunnel. The troops sent to look for an entrance made their way to the end and were able to see the gunny as well. We found no one on the other end, gunny. Another lance corporal called out. Yomi heard this exchange. But with so many people around she had no way of making her way into the base despite there being a clear opening. The gunny looked at the damaged flooring. Damn, we can't really just place this piece back into place. Sergeant. The gunny called out. A sergeant then ran towards the gunny. Send in a request to the G1 for repair of this section of the floor. The gunny ordered the sergeant. Aye aye. They responded and went out to create the paperwork. Time for a working party. The gunny called out. The juniors then moaned. The gunny then at random selected a few non-NCOs. You all are to stand guard until a new section of the floor is brought here. The gunny then selected another group. You all will bring this wall to the demolition site. The gunny ordered. I gunny. They all called out. The gunny then left. Yomi waited as the junior stood still just waiting. They were throwing dirt from the hole, seeing how far they could toss it. Yomi watched as the troops were no longer paying attention to the hole in the ground. Yomi climbed up the hole, and crawled out. She looked back at the troops being preoccupied with their game. Yomi was confused. She always imagined that the military were the most highly trained individuals on the planet and were always alert, but they seemed nothing more than normal younglings playing around. Yomi walked as if she belonged there. She used her experience as a border officer to give off the impression of a general government employee on the camp. That guy is long gone by now. Yomi thought to herself. Yomi walked down the long road of the base and got a quick sight of the chow hall. She saw one of the people who was around Bryuta's home inside eating a meal. Ah, guess they were relieved from their duty to eat. Yomi figured. Yomi got a closer look inside.
she saw that the other people they were sitting with seemed to be of a much higher rank than the ones who were surrounding the hole. She stood inside of the chow hall, acting as if she was watching the entertainment on the wall, when in actuality she was trying to listen in on the conversation they were having. That explosion a few days ago was crazy, I can't believe those new guys. One of them spoke in reference to the attack on the young leaders. All because they were throwing a little temper tantrum. Apparently some guy in their class didn't respect their authority. Another spoke. Really just scooping the bottom of the barrel for these new guys. The third one at the table said to the other two. Right now we are just watching this house, there has literally been no one there all day. The house belongs to some dead person and their friend who witnessed the new guy shoot someone from their class. The first one spoke. Yomi's chest felt heavy. A dead person? Are they talking about Bryuta? Yomi thought to herself. The first one then checked the time. I have to get going. I'm just supposed to be gone long enough to eat, they said cleaning up their scraps. The other two remained behind. Yomi watched them leave. She had no interest in that person anymore because they were just returning to Bryuta's house. Looks like we should get going too. The other one at the table suggested. They both got up and cleaned their mess. They headed out the building. Yomi then followed behind them. They have no idea where Bryuta is, and they are keeping watch over her house. So the ones who attacked Yaon on the road were not Panakan? Yomi thought to herself. But these guys are definitely the ones that tried to kill us, so I better continue to see what they are about. Yomi watched them enter another building. It was marked Research and Development. Yomi knew she would not be able to get in without a proper ID. She stood outside trying to figure out what to do next. Yomi felt vibrations dashing straight towards her, and she went to move. But the machine was too fast for her to evade. Unidentified personnel. The machine called out. It then squeezed Yomi. Yomi pushed back against it so that it wouldn't crush her body to mush. Her strength slowly overcame the power of the machine and its grip broke. It then alerted another of the damage. Another machine came quickly and sent out a net to capture Yomi. Yomi ripped through it. But then another sent out a net. And Yomi tried to rip through that. More and more were being sent at her until she eventually was tangled in the nets and fell. The nets then sent an electric shock. Yomi resisted it. The machines then received a command to bring Yomi inside. Yomi, despite being trapped in the nets, planted her feet in the ground. The force she generated was enough to prevent from being pulled into the building. The machines increased their pulling power, and Yomi met in kind to their strength. Another electric shock was sent through the nets. Someone then walked outside and saw Yomi struggling. Vanilla Reza, I presume. The person walked out and said to Yomi. Yomi felt that she could take advantage of the respect that Vanilla Reza had if she pretended to be her. There was no telling when the shard would run out of power. If you know it is me, then end this pointless tug of war. Yomi responded. The person then gestured and the machine stopped pulling Yomi. The nets were then removed from Yomi. Yomi looked around. What makes you think that I would not just launch you into the sky right now? Yomi asked the person, feeling a bit pissed that she was shocked. You could try, but we have something to combat you. The person laughed. They then turned their back to Yomi. Follow me, I have something to show you. Yomi then followed the person into the building. My dear, Vanilla Reza. I have been looking forward to seeing you. My apologies for not giving you a better welcome, we expected that you would have arrived more. Majestically? The person looked at Yomi in disappointment. My name is Colonel Rashia, I am the duty head of the research division. I have read all the information on your exploits. You brought down the Queen of Marion North, dissolved the gangs in Alm, and those other Renzai nations. And of course destroying our most secure bunker of Marion South. 
Colonel Rashu spoke. Yep, that was me. I did all of that. Yomi responded, trying to keep up the act. But, you are an unchained beast, you have no loyalty. And that just won't do. Someone with your power threatens the very existence of my home. And the doctor allowed you to do so, and on top of that, is giving your friend the best treatment in the nation. How could you take so much advantage of my country and not offer us your loyalty? Rashia asked Yomi. I don't know, maybe I didn't feel like it? Yomi answered, unsure of what Vanellarese's reason was. The two of them then entered a large open space. Well, I do know one thing. We don't need someone like you around. Colonel Rashia said, Yomi knew that something was about to happen. No one would say something like that if they were ready for confrontation. Yomi went to grab Colonel Rashia, but then her hand was grabbed. Someone in an exoskeleton suit was now in between Yomi and Colonel Rashia. Colonel Rashia walked up the stairs and went up to a speaker to taunt Yomi. Yomi wrestled for control of her hand with the exoskeleton. She could hear many others coming to watch the match. They were rushing over each other for a chance to watch the legendary Vanilla Rasa fight. Yomi lifted her feet and kicked herself away from the grip of the exoskeleton. How do you like this design? We call it Groundraiser. Colonel Rashia said to Yomi as she gained some distance between herself and Groundraiser. Looks clunky. Yomi responded, regaining her breath. Yomi looked around to see if she could escape. If this exoskeleton was built to combat Vanilla Rasa, Yomi did not stand a chance. Groundraiser dashed at Yomi and Yomi jumped back away from its hit. Well at least you are as fast as the stories about you. Colonel Rashia praised. I wish I knew how to fight. Yomi thought to herself. Groundraiser then went to attack Yomi again and Yomi jumped back. It then launched explosives at Yomi. She was sent into the walls of the arena. Those watching cheered. Yomi was in pain. Ouch that hurt. I can only imagine how bad I would feel without the suit. Is this too much for you, Vanilla Rasa? Do you need to lay down? Colonel Rashia taunted. Yomi was upset, she did not like being in pain. Yomi ran at Groundraiser and punched. Groundraiser blocked with its arm, but Yomi's strike had enough strength to rip it off. The crowd moaned. Groundraiser backed up away from Yomi, Yomi went to pursue it. Groundraiser launched more explosives to knock Yomi away. Yomi was sent flying once again to the other side of the arena. Groundraiser then sent a barrage of missiles at Yomi. Yomi felt more pain than ever in her entire life, it was like her body was being burned, then relieved then burned again over and over. Yomi felt the wall behind her. She dug into it and crawled within the stone. Groundraiser ended the barrage and all the audience could see was a hole in the wall. Vanilla Rasa is escaping. Colonel Rashia yelled out. Those in the audience then went to get their machines to patrol and follow Yomi. Yomi had broken her way into the hallway of the research building and saw the other projects they were working on. As Yomi ran through the hall she felt the other machines coming. Yomi opened her knowledge network and sent the recordings of the day, including the fight and taunts to Yomi. Vanilla Rasa is down here, someone yelled out. Yomi broke into a project. It was another machine. Yomi grabbed a chunk of the machine which looked to have been vital for power and then pushed it to block the doorway. Why are you running, Vanilla Rasa? Thought you were supposed to be all-powerful. Colonel Rashia called out to the speaker. Well, I'm not Vanilla Rasa. So those taunts won't work on me. Yomi said as she continued to break through the building. Yomi continued to break into rooms until she found something that would help her escape. She found an aerial vehicle. And quickly strapped it onto herself. The machines caught up to her and sent out nets to capture Yomi. Yomi turned on the vehicle and it blasted her straight up into the ceiling. Yomi cleared the way above. Once she made it through the vehicle soared high straight up. 
the group of people ran outside and watched Yomi in the air. Flying machines were then sent after Yomi. Yomi quickly looked around. Where are the controls? Yomi yelled out to herself. Yomi tore apart the piece of the machine she grabbed earlier and found that they were using a shard to power it. Oh this is a blue one. Yomi thought to herself. The flying machines eventually started to make it up to where Yomi was. She felt a pedal beneath her arm and pressed it. It sent her forward. She held it down as far as it could go. The acceleration forced 150 g's of force on her body. But because of the suit she was able to withstand it. The other flying machines that were in pursuit of her eventually could not keep up and she was now flying full speed away from the base. Colonel Rashia looked satisfied. At least we know that if Vanella Reza tried showing up in the future, we would defeat her, no problem, Rashia said to the others. Yomi was now flying in a singular direction. She was high in the sky above moving at about 2000 meters per second. Yomi was now able to regain her composure, it seemed that she was being left alone. She explored the vehicle she was riding in. Yomi looked down below and she was not able to see anything but sand. Where on earth am I? Yomi thought. She opened her knowledge network and found that she had left Marion South and was now within the borders of the Suminiadani Federation. Well that's not good. But if Bryuta was not in the Marion South camp, then most likely she was taken by the Suminiadani military. So I was going to end up here anyways. Yomi thought. The vehicle continued to fly for some time. The fuel of the vehicle was still nearly full. Yomi had just about cleared half the desert. I'm sorry Vanella Reza for tarnishing your name. I didn't mean to, please I know I wronged you twice but really both times were completely by accident. Yomi pleaded to the air begging for forgiveness. With no response, Yomi took that as being forgiven. The aerial machine then started flashing warning lights. Incoming missiles and indicator light read. Dang, I should have known that I can't simply just fly into another country's airspace. Yomi then pressed down more on the handle to gain more speed. She was now traveling at 4,000 meters per second. However the missile was still catching up to Yomi. Can't this go any faster? Yomi thought as she pressed more buttons. The aerial machine moved finally to its top speed of 9,000 meters per second. The missile was still gaining speed. The vehicle then ejected Yomi out of it and the missile collided with the vehicle and it exploded. The sound of the explosion was deafening. A pressure wave forced Yomi faster towards the ground. She then struck the ground and landed in the land. Yomi felt her body shatter but then get repaired by the suit. But the pain was still felt. Yikes, this is not the best day of my life, Yomi said to herself. She looked around and saw nothing but desert. Guess I just have to walk from here. Yomi thought. Yomi took a step then collapsed to the ground. The suit had run out of power. Yomi was now trapped in the desert. Glad it happened now rather than in that fight, Yomi said to herself. She pulled out the blue shard and replaced the shard of liberation with it. Thank you Vanella Reza for the might you provide, you have protected me throughout today, I command this suit to heed my calls by your power, Yomi said to regain power to the suit. Yomi was able to walk freely within it again. She checked her knowledge network and headed south toward a Suminiadani military base. Bryuta was being escorted into a room for her first hearing. Lieutenant Bryuta of the QRF, you are being charged with the murder of Suminiadani Federation citizens working in tandem with the Suminiadani military. The murders occurred on foreign soil, with you assisting the foreign nation. If found guilty you will be executed for conspiracy to commit treason and attempt at committing treason. You may speak your name and information. The presiding officer commanded Bryuta. Bryuta, having been stripped of her clothing and placed in a prisoner's uniform, spoke at the stand. I am Bryuta a lieutenant of the Suminiadani Federation military in the QRF. 
I am charged with the murder of Suminiatani Federation citizens performing duties in tandem with the Suminiatani Federation military while being a member of the Suminiatani military myself. I am accused of doing these things on foreign soil while working with a foreign entity. I did not commit these deeds as stated, and request that those voting today will look into my history, Bryuta said to the court. She was then forced to sit down as the first group of evidence was being brought forward. 